Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode two of uh, White People for Race Unity. And this is one of our shows for my grassroots podcast, Our Moral Imperative. And this is the Inspire Cycle Breakers edition of the Our Moral Imperative podcast. My name is Adelia. And I'm Rob. Hey, Rob. How you doing today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing all right. I've been very busy. I've been <laughs> running around. So this is kind of cool. We're getting to have this conversation in the middle of a very busy day. So um, I'm excited. Rob, what was the name of the song that brought us in and out? Today? The Times They Are Changing by Bob Dylan. Thank you. We got to give credit where credit is due. Of course. And how about you tell us what we're who we're going to talk about today? We're going to be talking about women. It's going to be Peggy McIntosh, Heather Booth, and Joan Mulholland. Awesome. Awesome. So um, if you want to kind of see their pictures of these of these women that we're going to be focusing on and see a little bit more background on them, I invite you to go to my Instagram and TikTok channels called Inspire Cycle Breakers, where you will see um, content that's going to be about each one of these women um, over. So those we have new content posts every two weeks. So you'll get to see them over time, <laughs> but definitely I invite you to go there. There's a lot of great information there for you. So let's jump right in. Um, how about, can you tell us a little bit about these women and, and the work they did around race unity? So Peggy McIntosh is a feminist, anti-racism, anti-racism activist, scholar, speaker, and senior research scientist who founded the National Seed Project for inclusive curriculum and she basically like uh, wants curricular revision she feels that like there's a lot of like white privilege when it comes to like schools and how Mm. kids are getting taught and she has put her um, ideas into a book called white privilege unpacking the invisible knapsack which has discussions about power, gender, race, class, sexuality, and its relation to the United States. Wow. That actually kind of goes a lot. Like last week, we talked, the folks we talked about, and one of them was Jane Elliott. And we had talked about if, you know, because she is still alive right now, because last week there were like Fred Rogers had passed away. And Eleanor Roosevelt has passed away, but Jane Elliott is still with us. And we talked about like, what is it that these individuals could be doing right now at this current time around, you know, riding this ship around race and, 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 you know, their work towards race unity. And I remember talking about how I would love if like Jane Elliott, who started out as an educator was able to really have an impact on the education system and the curriculum. So it sounds like Peggy McIntosh is doing that. And I wonder if the two of them work together at all. That would be really interesting to learn more about. But yeah, that would be interesting. So like we're opening the door for you guys who are listening, dig deeper because, you know, we're not going to do an hour long podcast. This is going to be a pretty short podcast for you to listen to. So this is really meant to just kind of 
pique your interest. So great information on Peggy McIntosh. I actually wrote down the title of her book. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. So who is the next person? The next person is Heather Booth, who is an American civil rights activist, feminist, and political strategist, um, who during her student years, she was active in both the civil rights movement and feminist causes. She ended up starting to like realize about racism and race discrimination from a very early age in elementary school. Mm. So she's been like feeling like she needed to do something from a very young age. And in high school, she joined the Congress of Racial Equality. And then she became head of a group called the Friends of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And she helped organize freedom schools. She became the student liaison to the Chicago Council of Community Organizations. And she's still active, I believe. Hmm. I just saw a news when I was doing research on her, I saw a news report from fairly recently that she was yeah. speaking about it. I imagine that these, like, just like Jane Elliott and some of the other folks that we are going to be talking about that have, who are still with us, like Heather Booth being one of those, like, dude, I'm just never going to be able to finish this. Like, I'm going to, this is, this is a lifetime commitment. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think yeah. that, that if there's anything that I hope that white people listening to this take away from this is that this is not a one and done situation. It's not like you go to a protest and maybe some laws change and then we're finished. The reality is, is that this is lifetime. This is a lifetime commitment to being a part of this. It's so interesting because the freedom schools were actually looking at using some of their curriculum in a community, um, community-based effort in my hometown, we're looking at using their curriculum as Brilliant. part of summer programs. Yeah, That's yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. And I tell you, I looked at that curriculum and it is, it, is, it is truly the curriculum you'd want to use in a school. So like it, it, is, it is a school level curriculum with lessons and everything and objectives. And so, yeah, now I know that she was a part of creating that. And that's beautiful. It really is. Yeah, like she created something that we can still use today. Yes. Which is so important. Yeah, she was a part of that. Yeah, since and then. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, since then, she's been active in both like civil rights and feminist causes. So she's still like, like I said, she's active today still which is mm -hmm. which is honestly like I'm kind of happy about that because there's not a lot of people who are still active in their activism that's a good point yeah that's a good point and that's actually something we we talked about discussing is you know why is that right like what's going on like there is this generation it sounds like as we're moving through this there's like these different gen in these generations, there are these pockets or pods of white people when they were young who started, whose eyes got opened and they started, you know, doing work around this and trying to understand it. And now that there are elders, there's still 
the ones leading the charge in many ways around this. And why is that? Like, you know, why, why is it that we don't have a, a more of a groundswell of, of white people recognizing this and, and really making it a priority? Um, yeah, I mean, that's something that we can, that with something maybe we can kind of talk over the next two sessions, next two episodes that we do is we'll see, we'll see how these other folks are, are doing it. Cause I think the next two ones, um, folks are at least the next one in the third episode, the folks are still with us and they're doing work. So it's going to be exciting to hear what they're doing, um, cutting edge stuff that they're doing. Um, so who, who was the, the third person that you were going to talk with us about? So finally, we have Joan Trumpauer Mulholland, who was a civil rights activist active in the 1960s. She was one of the freedom writers who was arrested in Jackson, Mississippi in 1961. And she was confined for two months in the maximum security unit known as Parchment Farm. And then the following year, she was the first white student to enroll at Tougaloo College in the same city and state and served as the local secretary of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Mm -hmm. And then after that, she worked as a teacher and she retired and she didn't really do much after that. But she established the Joan Trumpauer Mulholland Foundation, which is dedicated to educating the youth about civil rights movements and how to become activists in their own communities. Mm. So some people could look up her foundation. Yes, it, the Joan Trump mm. Our Mulholland Foundation. Okay. Is that one of the donation recommendations that we have? I, Probably not. I don't think so. Okay. So what we'll do is anyone who's listening, if you want to look into this foundation, and, and actually any of the information that Rob is sharing with us, um, we can put links in the podcast episode, if you go online um, to any of you know, Spotify, um, Pocket Cast, or Google Podcast, and look, you know, actually open up the episode, we will have links there if you want to click on those links and get more information about either how you can support or take part in the things that, that folks are doing currently. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that's really special about this is that um, these are women who are, who could have been very comfortable in their lives and just kind of towed the line, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I like that they're all feminists, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, women's rights and civil rights go together. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And I think from the very beginning of, I mean, when you're looking at the women's rights movement, I mean, it kind of, in, in the abolitionist movement, they really did go hand in hand mm -hmm. um, as far as like the, um, what people were fighting for. Yeah. And I mean, of course there are, there are, um, so even within the feminist women's right movement, there are racial kind of issues that get that get to be looked at and reflected on and resolved mm -hmm. because even the way that black women um experience that um 
discrimination because of being women is even slightly different than the way white women do, right? Because even within that space, white women still have power in a way that black women don't. And mm-hmm. so there's always like there, you know, although they both really do complement one another, I think that in in when those two spaces kind of overlap is when those deeper conversations get to be had about, yeah, about and racism. Like, and I feel like also sometimes people are just oblivious, so it's kind of hard. You know what I mean? Like people are like, especially nowadays, you're like, oh, well, it's not a problem. There's no problem. And they're just being blind to it. And it's those conversations that need to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think this idea of like conversations lead to people learning things, which leads to people understanding Mm -hmm. things. And it's like, once you know something, you can't unknow it. Like, like once you understand something, it's like, oh my gosh. And if you're a person who, who is concerned about justice, if you're a person who is concerned about, you know, equality and people not experiencing discrimination simply because of the color of their skin, then it's like, once you know it, you can't not do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've noticed that mm -hmm. a lot of like different like problem areas all kind of go back to the civil rights movement like for example um like the AIDS HIV crisis like I remember in like the 80s and then in like the 90s like the whole ballroom scene it was a lot of like there was a lot of racism in there too yes and uh, but there was also like a lot of community that I feel like is lacking nowadays. I think you're right. And I think because, yeah, I agree. I feel like part of it may be part of the reason why there are less people being like openly, directly active in in what they're doing is because it's so easy just to stay home. It is. <laughs> right? It's so easy just to be home you know you can work from home you can do everything from home you can go to school from home mm-hmm. and you know and I feel like this you know although technology is so amazing and it brings wonderful things I also think that technology can separate us in in ways that that we as a human race get to figure out how to how to how to fix that because mm-hmm these racial, these racial um, tensions, they continue to fester. Whether we're sitting at home behind our computer or we're out in public, it is the, in, you know, in the black community and in the indigenous communities, they're still suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like this idea, like, yeah, like you were saying, like people can be oblivious, but I can speak from, you know, the, the, the point of view of someone who is a person of, of color, like, how can you be oblivious? But I feel like the way society is set up is possible for that. Like our neighborhoods are segregated for the most part. Our schools are segregated for the most part. I mean, yeah, there's integration. And I've used air quotes here because anybody can tell you, you go to school 
at least when I was growing up and I still have young, I know young people now, the most segregated time of the day is at lunch. That is very, very true. As someone who just came out of high school a few years mm -hmm. ago, I, that still, still happens. It still happens. And there's a reason that that still happens. Is it, we learn from our, we learn from the generations before us how to socialize, right? Mm -hmm. We learn from our parents. We learn from our grandparents how to socialize. And yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that we need more, more people like Joan Mulholland and Heather Booth and Peggy McIntosh being, being raised up in the white community as examples of this is, these are the things you can do to push, to push the envelope, to make a difference, mm -hmm. get uncomfortable, you know, activism does not mean you lose everything, but it does mean you might like, maybe there, there are white spaces that you're not welcome in. And the question is, would you want to be welcome in those spaces in the first place? If to be in that space means to be silent, right? Like, <laughs> So this was great. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you, Rob. Um, so I guess let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Kind of what were, if you were to think about a, a, a virtue or a quality that, that stood out for you, either collectively in these three women, or maybe there are qualities that each one of them showed separately, what would those qualities be? Like what stands out for you? I don't think it's more necessarily a quality, but what stands out to me is the fact that like all of these women decided to go into the area of education. Yes. And I find, and I, that holds like a special place in my heart because I, I love learning new things and I love knowledge. And the fact that these women were advocating in the educational realm, it's just, it makes me very warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And in education and in those education spaces, that's how change happens. Mm -hmm. I think on like a, on a deeper level is in these education spaces. So especially with you, the growing mind. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. With young. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that there's like an, an, a, an initiative by um, in, in like the political arena in our country to block this type of education, this type of understanding. And what I encourage people to do is not to, don't, don't feel um, discouraged by that because guess what? Like you can get access. Like I found the curriculum for the Freedom School online. All you gotta do is look for it. If, and just start educating your children at home. Start educating your grandkids at home. Start educating your, your nieces and nephews at home. Get the kids together in the neighborhood you live in. If they're not going to teach this stuff in school, you can do it in your neighborhood. You can do it in, and you can do it for yourself. There's so much stuff that we as adults don't even know, much less what the children aren't being taught. And these three women being in education, they bring with them a wealth of experience and knowledge I think would be really helpful at the grassroots level. If, if the schools aren't going to do it, then we just do it ourselves. 
That's what I think. <laughs> uh, so um, that is all for today. Thank you so much, Rob, for this conversation. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Um, we will be here again for our third episode next Friday. Once again, around the lunchtime hour at 12 o'clock, um, please tune in and listen if you would like to like look at our content that we have on social media. Check out the Instagram and TikTok channels, Inspire Cycle Breakers. Um, and yeah, so if you want to like tell us who did we talk about today, Rob, and yeah. We talked about Peggy McIntosh, Heather Booth, and Joan Mulholland. Awesome. So thank you so much, Robert. Thank you. Yeah. And so until next time, guys, be good. And uh, we look forward to having you listen to us next week. We'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the times they are changing.